0: I'm Joel Breezeke, the Breeze Man, along with Mike Kapler, the Cap. Our weekly podcast talking about the love of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, the peace that we found in Him, the gift of righteousness that we've received (laughs) by His grace through nothing that we've done. We celebrate that. We're unashamed of this gospel of God's grace that has come to the whole world. Anyone who believes can receive everything. That Christ accomplished on behalf of humanity. And we need to unashamedly proclaim this uh, with boldness because it's God's gospel. It's it's really his good news. It's his goodwill toward people that we're talking about here. And when we try to water it down with our attempts at righteousness and our attempts at trying to live this Christian life by our flesh— We're really taking away from what Jesus did on the cross for us, the finished work. He finished it. We simply receive what he accomplished for us. And I could go on and on about that. I know
1: we got some stuff to talk about here today, too, Cap, so I don't know. Let's get into it. (laughs) I'm going to try not to clear my throat. I I keep feeling the need to clear my throat, (laughs) but be aware that by the end of the program, it may sound like I'm gargling. So there I go. Cleared it already. There you go. So... I remember years ago, Joel, I was, um, you weren't with me on this one, but I was teaching a Sunday morning class at a church, and I was presenting some information about the gospel of grace that most people don't hear in church. And this was a small group of people outside of the normal Sunday church auditorium setting. It was just like a Sunday school class kind of thing. But some people visited, some friends of mine brought these people, a couple, and toward the end of the class, she spoke up, uh, the, the visiting couple, and said that what you're teaching here is dangerous. You, you just mentioned something that Paul said, <laughs> that he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. Well, as you said that, for some reason, that, that just popped into my head from many years ago. <laughs> and it, it occurred to me in this moment that they really were ashamed of the gospel because mm. they felt the need to say, I need to contribute something to this. I need to be contributing something to my salvation, to my sanctification, to my eternity. Uh, It shouldn't just be up to God, is basically what they were saying without realizing that's what they were saying. So I I, I just find it interesting that people think that sometimes— pure grace, pure unadulterated grace, apart from law, without any balance between works and grace or any of that stuff, that people will sometimes fall into the trap of thinking that that's dangerous stuff that you're talking about Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know what, compared to what? Compared to you not being able to live up to a perfect standard, which is kind of what we talked about last week, because that's what was required. But people have the idea, as long as I'm managing my sin better, as long as my good is outweighing my bad, as long as I'm getting rid of certain things in my life and uh, having self-improvement taking place and and doing more religious stuff, then, then I'm walking uprightly. Uh, Psalm 84 is what we were in last week. And we talked about this somewhat limited grace that God would bestow or show this favor in certain ways to Israel under the law. And Joel, off the air, we were talking about how even really with Adam and Eve, after they fell, I could see where favor and grace was demonstrated by God because he didn't wipe them off the face of the planet. He provided them with tunics of skin, blood was shed. He just told them, you're going to have to work for this now. You're going to have to grow your own food and so on. And so there's always elements of of grace involved. And we even see it with the, the the animal sacrificial system. There was an element of grace, but it was limited. It was it wasn't complete. You know, people could get their sins covered without having them taken away. So the problem was when they committed another sin, they had to do the whole process all over again. So there was an element of grace involved there, but not really <clears throat> the kind of grace that we're familiar with. Uh, in the New Covenant. In fact, I bet a lot of people don't even know this, but in in the New Testament, the word grace appears about 157 times, just 12 times in the four books known as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 12 times out of 157. And most of those, almost all of those, are referring to Jesus and the favor or the grace of that was upon him. Mm. The other 145 references came after the four gospel books. So we know something different took place after the cross. And really, when they were making these things called the Bible, If they were going to divide an old and a new testament the way the publishers did they should have included matthew mark luke and john under that old testament or had it in some sort of a neutral zone or something Mm -hmm. but so there is grace to be found in the old testament even under the old covenant but we don't realize it in the same way that you would through jesus christ as john said in his first chapter john chapter one the law came through moses but grace and truth would be realized through the person of jesus christ
0: yeah uh, just so just because Matthew Mark Luke and John have a lot about <laughs> Jesus in them a lot of what Jesus was teaching and sharing was not new covenant you know a lot of our listeners already understand this if you've been listening for a long time but there may be somebody new listening that what are they talking about well Jesus taught he had an old covenant ministry search org for a series that we did called why Jesus taught two covenants. And we explain that in 20 podcasts. We, t- we take some time to do that, but it's really good because it really gets into why there are seeming contradictions in these, quote, New Testament books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the writings of Paul and so on. It seems like there are differences and disagreements, but really one is a ministry of under the old covenant and one is a ministry of the new covenant. But all of these things that we've been talking about the idea that, you know, what's dangerous, going back to what you were talking about, the woman saying that what you're teaching is dangerous. What's dangerous is having the onus <laughs> on us. I don't think I've ever used that word. It just popped <laughs> in my mind. Having the, but having the onus on us, the responsibility to live out this Christian life. If that responsibility is on us, apart from God's grace, apart from the Holy Spirit in us, by trying to keep laws, by trying to live uprightly, that is what is dangerous. That's what's really dangerous, because we can't do it. Uh, Somebody asked me one time, well, have you even tried? Well, I've tried. I know a lot of people have tried. I know a lot of people have burned themselves out trying, and they can't do it. (laughs) They can't do it, and finally by all the trying and just burning themselves out, a lot of people have finally come to the grace of God and rested in the burden being upon him instead of upon ourselves to try to live this Christian life. You can try. Try, try, and try all you want. But remember, Jesus, he went on the cross for your sake. And then he died, and he was resurrected, and you were resurrected into his life so that the burden is no longer on you. The responsibility isn't on you. It's all upon the risen Christ and his life in you, the Holy Spirit in you. That is the grace of God in action as opposed to this conditional grace that we were talking about last week where if you live uprightly, then you will get God's favor. Deli- you know, David thought he needed to delight In the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night and then whatever he does whatever that person does will prosper and that's putting everything on us rather than the
1: responsibility of this life on Christ Psalm chapter 1 what you just referred to Joel I've heard this, another one of those famous verses that we like to apply to the gospel when it has really nothing to do with the gospel. Delight in the law of the Lord, and on his law, meditate day and night. Do that, and you'll be like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked aren't that way, and then goes on to talk about them. I've heard sermons. I've heard it at funerals. I've heard it, uh, or I've seen it uh, online through different blogs and and articles. And it's interesting to me, it seems like a lot of seminarians, people who have gone to theology school, they like to substitute the word law with the word word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lot of times, you know, when it says the law of the Lord, referring to that Mosaic law with those 613 commandments, they just like to turn it into the Bible. Right. <laughs> Let's just call True. it the Bible. Let's call it his word. Um, and they aren't the same thing most of the time. Exactly. <clears throat> and so, I mean, there may be some similarities there, but specifically speaking, people just want to turn this into some sort of a Christian gospel thing, like with this that, that David was talking about. and And how many people even who go to church three times a week, how many people <laughs> actually meditate in that law, in those Old Testament books, the books of the law, with all of those hundreds of commandments, how many people meditate, meditate day and night, every day and night on that law? I mean, we, we can't even get the top 10 memorized, right? Um, and so... I think, again, a lot of people just don't even know what the law says, but that's not what we in Christ meditate on. We don't meditate on a law that could not bring life or righteousness. You know, I mean, it's just, I mean, we've talked about this over the last couple of months, but that's not what we meditate on. Um, we can stop and think about it and say, boy, I'm glad we're not under that <laughs> because <laughs> we're under grace. We're not under law, as Paul said, we're under grace. So, why would we want? I would rather meditate upon grace. I don't know about you, Joel. I'd rather right. meditate upon God's goodness and, and grace. And, and it's good when you see improvements in your life and sin begins to diminish in your life. But it's even going to be more powerful if you can begin to realize where you stand in your identity, where you're positioned now already. As a child of God and a believer in Jesus Christ, he has made you holy. He has made you upright. He has made you righteous uh, and perfected and without spot or blemish and, and blameless. Because as he is, so are we now in this world. He's already made us like that. So that's now your starting point. Instead of striving to try to get to a finish line that you can never get to, come to the finished work of Christ. Start there and watch the power of God and the fruit of the Spirit begin to flow.
0: Yeah, because with the law being the ministry of death and condemnation and the thing that brings bondage and the thing through which sin increased and abounded, why would we want to meditate upon that? It goes back to, I think, what you were saying. A lot of people don't really know what the law says. They really don't know what's in the law, and a lot of people really don't know what the purpose of the law was. It was to increase sin. It was to bring guilt, bondage, death, condemnation. That's what it was meant to do. Grace is the very thing that teaches us to deny ungodliness and unrighteousness. It's the thing that teaches us to say no to sin. And so that is what we want to meditate upon, not just because of the sin thing, but because God's grace is the very thing through which we've received all the benefits of life in Christ. Everything comes from God's grace apart from law. So let's meditate and let's uh, celebrate the grace of God. Well, coming up next week, we'll take a look at another Old Testament passage. You probably heard it. Probably heard it a lot in the church. But does it fit in our lives in Christ? Second Chronicles 7.14, we'll take a look at that. Starts with, if my people who are called by my name, like I said, you know the verse. We'll look at that next week, right here on Growing in Grace.